Welcome to the special bulletin review sponsored by Decision Lens. Here's today's moderator, Tom Temin. Defense Department processes for planning programs and budgeting for them are getting long in tooth. In the armed services, a five-year budgeting cycle starts with the POM, Program Objectives Memorandum. Somehow those objectives have to make it through the planning, budgeting, and execution steps. For details of how it works in one branch and the challenges, I spoke with Juliet Baylor, Executive Director of Naval Forces Europe and Africa. Let's start with the job you actually have, because I think you're the only one in the Navy, perhaps only person in the military with a title like this, a civilian executive director of naval forces. That sounds interesting. Tell us what you do for starters. Well, actually, there there are three of us. So there are executive directors at each of the Navy's three four-star fleet commands at U.S. Fleet Forces in uh, Norfolk, Virginia, uh, at Pacific Fleet in Hawaii, and then, of course, where I am in Naples, Italy, at United States Naval Forces Europe and Africa. So I like to tell people in the very simplest of terms, as the executive director, I'm the money, people, things person. Uh, another way we like to explain it to, to the staff is as the four-star fleet commander, Admiral Burke, and the three-star, six-fleet commander, Vice Admiral Black, they focus on fighting the fleet, and my job is to focus on getting them the things that they need to fight the fleet. Things then includes what? Everything from supplies to platforms? Absolutely. So kind of focusing on future capabilities and our strategy, making sure that our resourcing strategy is aligned not only with the, sec- the, the national defense strategy and all the way down, but those things that the UCOM theater commander and the AFRICOM commander are looking for us to do as the naval component of those two theaters. And it strikes me that among these different elements, domains, money, people, things, some of them are a lot more predictable than the others. For example, if you have a certain number of billets and a certain number of civilian employees, it's fairly predictable what costs and outlays will be for the direct personnel costs. Whereas contingencies arise and different elements may happen, maybe the Navy's on slightly more guard now than it might have been a couple of months ago because of the Ukraine situation, whatever it might be, those costs can be harder to predict. Absolutely. But it is interesting on the manpower front, you think that it would be fairly static. Um, But as we we look at the different uh, parties around the world, China, Russia, and those things, one of the things that that over the years the Navy has combined, again, we've combined the naval component for both Europe and Africa, so we're blended staff for both component commands. We also have a numbered fleet, very operational fleet that's associated with us. And so we have to be able to command and control both a joint maritime a joint fleet maritime command center and a numbered fleet simultaneously. And so that's one of the things that we're talking about is now, especially given real world operations, what can we really do inside the manpower structure that we have? Or do we really need to look forward to what do we need for the future of maritime command and control in Europe and Africa? And so that conversation is 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 changing. And also there's just the added element that appropriations don't come through on the date in which the fiscal year begins. Is that a yes. complicating factor in all of this? It, it's very much a, a, a factor for us. It, right? That's one of the things that we talk about is you, it's a very dynamic theater and things are changing, but of course the, the POM cycle is uh, you identify something and it's two to three years later that you might see the very uh, initiation of that resourcing. So that's a challenge that we're facing right now. Let's talk about the POM cycle. I mean, we know what it stands for, Program Objectives Memorandum, and it's a very old type of document. But how does it relate to what you actually do in the Navy in a given command, and how do they get generated, and what, what are the programs that have POMs? 
Wow. Well, that's a that, that's a big question. Certainly, I could say every, every every single program that we have in the Navy. But I think I would focus on what what are the things that I don't have traditional program managers in the sense that we do have here in in DC. Um, we look at for our programs. So we're looking at: Do we have the right international access agreement agreements? Right? Are the capabilities that the Navy and the acquisition leaders here in Washington D.C. Um, addressing the needs that we have for NATO interoperability or NATO interchangeably in in the Europe and African theaters? I'm looking at: Do we have the right forces, force allocation, and lay down? Um, one of the things we've been talking about is uh, operating in the high north in the Arctic more so than we have in past years. And so do we have the right structure? Uh, is the Navy and the Department of Defense buying the right capabilities that we need for intra and intertheater lift to go up to the high north? Do we have the right staging locations? And so those are the types of programs, at least, that I'm looking at from a very operationally focused. And does the POM itself kind of kick off the budgeting process in some manner? It does. And so, again, I think that's one of the challenges is is looking at our theater strategy, looking at where we are in the POM and ensuring that we're consistent and clear in what we need uh, for Europe and Africa to help guide the Navy overall POM process and acquisition process. And what is the challenge in creating a POM that you hope will have some, I guess, uh, relevance to what it is that's eventually budgeted, which could be a couple of years off? I, I think multiple challenges, just like we mentioned earlier, right? It's, there's usually a several years wait between the submission of the POM and the spending. And, uh, you know, so it requires you to, uh, at least, again, to focus on the future, to try to be as prescient as you can or what's changing and what's coming and are we going to have the right laydown when we need it. I think one of the challenges in our organization in particular is, is a lot of our program managers don't really have their – they don't really have an, a knowledge of the larger planning, programming, budgeting, and execution process. And and I tell them all the time, it's not good enough to just be a program manager in your little area, but you need to understand how you – there's four steps to the PPE – PPBE process. I think I joke all the time. I say one of the we we plan very well and we execute very well. But what we don't do particularly well, which we're working at getting better, is tying the plan to the Navy's program and then ensuring that we're budgeting to program and then how are we executing based on where we think we want to go for the long term, not necessarily what the requirements are right now today. And so there's kind of a valley there in which things could change though too, correct? Oh, absolutely. That uh, we have things that in, in military construction, for instance, we have we have construction projects that were planned five, six, seven years ago, and now that we're getting ready to break ground to actually do those things, they've finally made it all the way through the budget process. Are those our number? Are those our top priorities? Is that really where we need the construction dollars right now? And and some would argue maybe that's not the case, uh, but we go back and forth on. But by the time we change that, I think we need to recognize it'll be a fiscal year 25 before we see the outcome of anything new that we try to do today. So that is definitely a challenge that we face every single day. And I guess with changing costs and changing prices over that period of time, it makes it particularly hard to predict, I would imagine. 
Oh, absolutely. And so we've been talking about, so how do we do this better? I'm going to steal a term from our, our political, our US, we have a U.S. State Department political advisor, and, and, and I love it because he said that resources follow crisis, but resources also follow vision. And I think he's absolutely right. One of the things we in Naval Forces Europe and Africa maybe haven't done so well in the past is clearly and consistently articulate our vision and help those people that are, you know, making the decisions up in the programming offices, the actual program managers as they look to bring the entire Navy POM together, helping them understand how what we're asking for actually does fit into the larger strategy. Uh, We've had more success over the last several years, and we're going to continue to work that way. And in kicking off a POM with some future state and activity or result in mind down the line, you must need data to be able to have any kind of cogent view of what it is you're creating. What are the what are the types of data you need and how do you get it? So certainly all of the, right, everything from the national security strategy down through the national defense strategy and, and the CNO and the Secretary of the Navy's programming guidance. Uh, the Navy's done a lot of work to create a digital palm. I, w- I would offer, I, I would, you know, I I like the way that the Navy's going. I think that's the right way to go. But at least at Naval Force Europe and Africa, unfortunately, we are still very much working with spreadsheets. Um, and so we are the data, though. What is the data? So we are very much trying to work to how are we measuring the return on investment on the operations activities and investments that we make throughout the Europe and Africa theaters. And then how do we articulate that value, not only to our combatant commanders, but as well to the Navy? Right. So getting back to those spreadsheets, there's information in them, but it sounds like something that's not integrated to be able to give you a quick picture of, of what it is you're trying to track or predict. It doesn't. Yes, that that's correct. Uh, so, but that is actually, we've, we have been having those conversations and trying to mature uh, that conversation hours and being able to, again, I think we, at a very intuitive level, our operators, they know what they need to do the mission at hand. We understand the, the capabilities and what we need to be able to interact and interoperate with our NATO partners, partners. But what we haven't done is translated that into budget speak, perhaps, as well as we could have in the past, into a language that those people here in Washington, T.C. will understand uh, what we're trying to achieve. And then once the palm is, it's a document, correct? Right, right. And what happens to it then? How do you carry it over to the rest of the PPBE process? So, so great question. I think, again, we, I'm speaking for my very small corner of the world. Again, I think what we do very well is plan. We identify uh, what we need and plan, and then we execute. But we have been spending the last two years really trying to make sure that we're programming to the, the commander's plan that's laid out. Admiral Burke is the, the commander of Naval Forces Europe and Africa, and he's laid out for us his cardinal directions. And so really looking and ensuring that what we're asking for in the program is not just closing holes or addressing emergent needs that we have. Of, but actually moving the ball on the the commander's primary goals. So does the program v- reflect the strategy and is it linked to the plan that we say? Uh, but beyond that, uh, do we actually, we budget based on, well, this is what we spent last year, so that's what we're going to budget for this year. Uh, but instead maturing that conversation to asking ourselves really how well are we actually budgeting the program and executing uh, to our program 
the the Navy's going through a, a discussion with regard we call it invest in order to to divest in a very challenging budget environment. If we're going to find the money and the resources that we need to invest in future capabilities, we're going to have to really be critical and stratify value of of the existing resources that we do have. And so we're spending a lot of time really challenging our assumptions on what we're spending. Juliette Baylor, Executive Director of Naval Forces Europe and Africa. We'll be back with more of the interview after this short break. I'm Tom Temin. How can the United States be considered an innovation leader with a government planning process dictated by manual spreadsheets? This high-tech country deserves a high-tech government. DecisionLens Software is here to transform and bring innovation back to the capital. Organizations using DecisionLens achieve operational efficiency. They gain the agility to pivot as priorities shift and the confidence to stand behind an expertly executed budget. Give your agency a competitive advantage. Learn more at DecisionLens.com. Welcome back to our interview with Juliette Baylor, Executive Director of Naval Forces Europe and Africa. We are discussing the program, planning, budget, and execution process in the Defense Department. And earlier you mentioned a digital palm, which implies some sort of automation, but also some sort of living quality to it, because digital things can be altered and you can do what-if scenarios and so forth. What is the digital palm, and does it exist yet? And how will it fit into the PPBE process writ large and, and, the, and the Navy's vision for that? Right. So I'm not I'm not an expert on the digital palm, but I do I do know that it is something over the last at least my interaction when I worked on the CNO staff and now that I'm here, the Navy's been really working hard at, at, at like I mentioned, at, at stratifying value on kind of capturing that return investment and having data driven not that we weren't data driven to begin with, but having a little bit more data driven view of how we're making those trade-offs inside the POM, and I think the digital POM will support that effort. Yes, because you have been data-driven. It's just a matter of how fast you can get the data and how integrated it is so that you don't spend more time planning than on doing. Is that a fair way to put it? Yeah, I, I I think that's fair. Um, I do know, you know, for instance, the system does react when, when there's a real urgent when there's a real urgency and there's a real need, the system can respond, uh, but it is really not as flexible. If I were queen for a day, you know, I, I believe that you know, we could, if we could be more flexible, that would be better. So you're dealing with spreadsheets, and just out of curiosity, are these really big spreadsheets, like a thousand rows and ten thousand columns, or give us a sense of what it is oh. you have to fling around there to get the information? Well, for they're, they're they're not unmanageable for for what we do. I'm I'm certain at the at the higher C, at the opnav level at the at the S one level. I'm I'm sure it's many thousands of lines. But we're just really again trying to question all of the assumptions and and making sure that we talk about strategic laydown. We talk about all of the things that we need. I mentioned going um, moving little bit more discussion on the Arctic and the high north. And so, right, do we say we need to operate up there? We say we need more access, but we have we actually put in everything that we need to make that happen? Do we have the logistics? Do we have the international agreements? Do we have the military construction? Have we looked at the IT infrastructure? Uh, do we have the, uh, the theater logistic lines that are going to come in where we need it? And so, for us, it's looking at what we have in the palm and making sure that we're covering everything that we need to cover. And you mentioned the Navy's really good at planning and really good at executing, but there's a P and a B in the middle of all that. Describe what the challenges there are. 
So again, I, again, this is just specific to my. I have a very again. We are a very operationally sure. uh, focused command, and, and many of our um, many of our members have never served at the Echelon One or here in Washington D.C., and so they don't have an understanding of the larger Navy and Department of Defense PPBE process. All they know is that we need. I need an ability to put P8s here and. And I need the ability to command and control the P8s, and I can't do that. And so then I need money to go do that. And so we address the urgent need right now that the commander on the ground has. But what we haven't done very well is then work that back through the process to say, okay, so how do we ensure that we create that, that we build the the budget and then as well the program to ensure that we fund that requirement moving forward and so we've created a lot of where we've solved an emergent problem but we've created a longer term problem for ourselves because we haven't actually tied it into the PPPE process right and so I guess my question is it's a subtle thing to get at but yeah. as requirements change you said p8s because those are planes that look for submarines I'm presuming correct yeah yes the, right and what if, say, the POM said, well, depending on what we understand now, we're going to need 14 of them, and I'm making this number up, right. to cover this territory, and therefore we know how much it costs to crew them, to fuel them, to mm -hmm. maintain them. Maintaining is probably the most expensive part. Yes. What if it, things change midway through the PPBE and suddenly you need 16 or you need 12 instead? Right. How do you deal with that? Oh, that's a challenge, right? I don't think the system itself is, is flexible to deal with swings of that nature. But for, but for example, um, we have an, an expeditionary sea base that we use primarily in the African theater. And there's been a discussion about what do we need to do with that long term. As, as we look at operations over the last two to three to four years, the need for that platform in the AFRICOM and in the UCOM theaters has become ever more evident. And so we've been able through the POM process to go back and talk with the CNO staff to articulate and the joint staff and articulate how, hey, we need to re we need to look at that again because that is a platform that we absolutely need and we envision needing it for the foreseeable future. And we were able to, to for lack of a better term, to win that argument. Uh, so I, there is negotiation throughout the POM process and, and it does work it does work. And if you, as you said, if you were leader of or boss of the world for yes. a day, or at least boss of the Navy for a day, and by the way, anyone listening, you're not actually looking to do that. No, absolutely but not. If, but if you were <laughs> in that chair for a day, what would an ideal PPBE process look like? Well, that's a chat, right? I don't know. That, I actually thought about that as we were thinking about having this conversation with you, and I tried to envision in my mind what would be the ideal. And I don't know that I have a good answer for it because you know it it works. It, it it's trying to do to be everything to everybody, uh, right? From the acquisition community all the way down to where where I operate at the, at the very operational day-to-day -day echelon two level. And so how do you make a system that works for everyone? Uh, that said, personally, you know, a little bit more flexibility in the system. We've There's been discussions in the past about two-year budgeting that ha haven't really gone anywhere. But again, from, a, from a very, my corner of the world and my very parochial operational view, that would be something that, that would be valuable to us. And between the POM and the execution, as the person, again, responsible for the money, people, and things, what kind of monitoring do you do? What kind of lens do you have into the whole long process as it's executing, as it's happening? Do you try to, is, is there like a ongoing monitoring? It, of absolutely. It's part of everything that we do. So 
uh, we'll lay out the current year execution. And as we execute throughout the year, we monitor how we're doing. But we also ask ourselves, okay, why did we need to, why all of a sudden there was an urgent requirement to, for an IT requirement or some new capability. So have we budgeted, is that programmed for in the out year? Have we identified that requirement to our region commander who is responsible for all the shore infrastructure across, across Europe and Africa? And, and then if we haven't, we make sure that we pass that requirement to them so that as they're getting ready as POM 24 moves through the cycle and we get ready to start discussions on POM 25, we feed that stuff in so it is a continuous cycle as we go. And some things may not be big dollar items, but they have a lot of leverage in other big dollar items. For example, some procedure or some program, let's call it, way to maintain those P8s might save a whole P8 from being retired. I'm Again, I'm making this up. But does the process allow you to prioritize by actual physical priority versus large dollars? I think the system does. That That is one of the things that we talk about is let's talk about the capability that we're trying to achieve and not necessarily just the individual programs. Um, so, for instance, talking about the Navy's requirement for intra-theater lift throughout the, the European and African theaters. And so it's not about I need this specific aircraft or I need you to buy me seven of those, but I have a requirement for intratheater airlift, and so how are we going to address that requirement writ large? All right, and just do you feel like in your day-to-day work you have the tools that you need to be able to ride herd on the PPBE? Can you see some? I, I do, and uh, we've been talking about it about we've actually accomplished a lot in the last two years and and when you when you take a step back we're pretty happy um at where we are we've we've uh we we've had success in in the in the palm discussions um we've had we, we feel that our voice is being heard at the table and i think a lot of that again is about the the point of that strategy resources will follow vision and so we've worked really hard to be consistent and clear with regard to the capabilities that we need uh and that's resonating with our navy leadership and for all all the detailed planning that goes on and the careful thinking about the future, sometimes contingencies emerge, as we're seeing now, with uncertain outcomes for the United States and for the military, and we have no idea what it means. But is the process able to take this type of thing into account? I think we are seeing that the process is is able to react. And, and if anything, it's, it's cementing the points that we've been making over the past several years about the changing and dynamic European and African theaters. Uh, as we talk about the, the guidance, the, the palming, palm and programming guidance that comes down from the Department of Defense and, and from the Secretary of the Navy and the CNO is, is a framework to guide. But as we see, the, the world gets a vote. And so we need to make sure that we are keeping our eye on the future and make sure we establish those capabilities that we need so that we can be adaptable when, when things come up. And don't get lost in those spreadsheets. Exactly. Thank you very much. Juliet Baylor, Executive Director of Naval Forces Europe and Africa. To share this interview with colleagues or hear it again, Again, please visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search Insights. I'm Tom Temin. Thank you for listening to the special bulletin review sponsored by Decision Lens on Federal News Network.
How can the United States be considered an innovation leader with a government planning process dictated by manual spreadsheets? This high-tech country deserves a high-tech government. DecisionLens Software is here to transform and bring innovation back to the capital. Organizations using DecisionLens achieve operational efficiency. They gain the agility to pivot as priorities shift and the confidence to stand behind an expertly executed budget. Give your agency a competitive advantage. Learn more at DecisionLens.com.